Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in, everybody. Another episode of the podcast that's sweeping the nation. That's right. It's One Man's Opinion. Welcome to it, everybody. Thank you so much for downloading. Thank you for subscribing, liking, favoriting, or however you've come to enjoy my nasally drone here over the next, uh, on this podcast, over the next hour or so, uh, I will have with you. My name is Chef Manz, in case you did just stumble in. You can hear me on Monday through Friday on Sirius XM's Fantasy Sports Radio that is Sirius XM, uh, Sirius 210 XM 87, the channel numbers. If you are not familiar, most of you probably are. That's probably how you found me anyway. I host the Elite Sports Show over there. You can find my work in the written form over at fantasyguru.com. The 2021 Fantasy Football Draft Guide is live right now, and it's growing by the day. We add content every single day. Projections, rankings, constantly updated, constantly uh, cared for and attended to in two soup, uh, two quarterback super flex leagues and IDP leagues and auction league formats and PPR and non PPR and half point PPR and overall rankings and um, dynasty and keeper and all of that. You got everything uh, on top of that. The uh, coaching breakdowns should be live by the time you are listening to this, unless you're listening on Thursday, they'll be live on Friday, uh, July 9th. So you, if you're one day early tomorrow, it'll be out, but should be out right now over there. And this is information you don't, f- there is no place in the world that you find the information. This is built only within my brain and correlated by me and Mike Horn and our, uh, our guy, uh, Rich Mileto as well, who helped out on the coaching breakdowns this year. So this is it. That's the only place you find the information. It doesn't exist anywhere else in the universe. So make sure you're checking that out over at Fantasy Guru. When you are there, stop by the chat room and say hi to uh, me and the wonderful staff at FantasyGuru.com. EliteFantasy.com, you find me in Daily Fantasy Sports theme over there uh, baseball postseason nba still going on i got nba thoughts today folks so stay tuned for that elite sports betting.com as well for all your legalized sports betting needs follow me jeff mans on twitter at or at the jeff jeff underscore mans on twitter the jeff mans all one word on facebook instagram snapchat and tiktok you see even for me it's getting to the point where too many places to promote too many things to do too busy of a guy, right? Uh, never too busy for you, though. I love this podcast. I love everybody subscribing. Um, I don't know if I said this on the air or not last time. I'm not sure, but uh, got a nice little care package from Stitcher. Uh, a lot of our Stitcher people out there. I know I talk about Podbean and iTunes and Google Play, but uh, just went over whatever it is. I, I think it was 150000 downloads or 150,000 yeah listens on stitcher alone um got a little care package from them which was nice t-shirt and hat and some things there mug love the mugs by the way please if, if you are a would-be advertiser send your boy the mugs i love the mug like you get me a yeti with your business or whatever on it. i don't care what it is it could be uh the small penis company and i'm like oh yeti All right. hey i'll use that yeti i'm gonna use it 
The boy loves that stuff. So uh, I want to thank you. Uh, if you're listening on Stitcher, shout out to all you guys because we do appreciate it. By the way, speaking of which, um, I do have some exciting news. Uh, nothing is official yet, but we are looking to do stuff through the SiriusXM partnership with Pandora. And Pandora is you know, it's a very successful app, a lot of music and things like that. We did a very successful 4th of July playlist, the Elite Sports fourth of July or summer playlist we put together and amazingly you guys took this uh, to the moon the uh, numbers and downloads and listens were way more than anybody had anticipated so uh, that's awesome and now we're looking to do something with uh, with Pandora as well so man I just love it love bringing this to as many people as humanly possible it's all because of you spread the word by the way folks we could always use more people uh i do not have an advertiser for this this is not a paid gig like this is something i'm doing because i love to do it we're getting great feedback could talk real for you i i can say the word fuck and shit and i could say anything i want to and it's delightful for me because you don't do that other places so um we could talk real this is a real conversation and we'll do it over the next hour today so a lot to get to uh, a little personal life stuff a little um i'll talk about my attending the nba finals uh with my my son on in game one uh at the uh, phoenix Sun arena that was a lot of fun i'll talk about that i'll talk about my fourth of july a little bit i've got thoughts on that i've got scott fishbowl updates my scott fishbowl 11 league that is currently going on and where I'm at in the draft. Now, obviously you have to understand this will be outdated by the time. If you guys are a weekend listeners, I understand I'll have probably six, seven more picks or it, the rate of my league. I'll have one more pick in by then, but um, you know, I'll just give you my thoughts behind it. And I think with the Scott fishbowl talk, we're going to give two quarterback strategy sessions, super flex strategies, tight end premium strategies here on the show today as well also i do want to talk coaching breakdowns i've spent so much time i talked i said it when i was promoting fantasy guru just there um coaching breakdowns are likely live by the time you listen to this and i'm very it's my proudest thing probably i'm the most proud of uh, of that work than anything else i do there's things that are probably more successful and uh, people like more and wh- whatever have you, but I am proud of this because I started doing this 16 years ago, right? With talking about systems and coaches and the impact thereof. And I, I actually went back this year and looked at some of my old stuff. It's And it's amazing from where I was. I think the furthest back I had was like 07 or 08, 07, I think. And it was like, you know, I you know, a couple sentences and uh, I had some volume reports, yeah, a little bit of volume report, very, you know, very small stuff that we did, but um, it, to see where it's gone now. And for those who don't know, you know, we, we've tracked 21 years now, all the way back to the turn of the century of every single offensive head coach, offense coordinator and defensive coordinator. In fact, in some cases there's, Miami, there's multiple offensive coordinators, all right, and uh, there's some assistance along the way in which we included charts for them too. And you know, shout out to my guy Mike Horn, who 
I put together some of the data. He puts together the charts. It is a wonderful partnership. He does a great job, and we appreciate his work. He does amazing work with Fantasy Guru. Probably the sharpest mind of all of us and gets the least amount of attention, but he, he is a great, great man and a very good fantasy football player and great analyst as well. But you know, he put these together, the charts, and you find everything from – fantasy points by running backs to amount of passing attempts and, you know, red zone data and green zone data and extending the red zone, which is a thing that Mike Horn is big into this year, uh, really tying the coaches to what they do at what yard line. I mean, it's unbelievable how deep we got on this year's uh, coaching breakdowns and got defensive data as well. We really hit the defensive side of the football this year, a big improvement from where we've been over the years, we finally have volume reports and and the uh, charts for every defensive player as or defensive coordinator in the league as well, and some key assistants too. I went into the front offices, general manager, player personnel director, director of scouting. All of that stuff is uh, discussed. What the front office philosophy, how it matches or doesn't match, what the on the field coaching staff does and we see these things matter and it's funny because i went back and as i was looking at the philadelphia eagles a year ago i said wow they redesigned everything from their front office all the way down the coaching staff remember they didn't have coordinators last year they just had an abundance of offensive assistants and former players that chimed in and all these people all these cooks in the kitchen I said, well, if it works out, it, they're going to revolutionize the coaching industry. If it doesn't, Doug Peterson could be looking for a job. Folks, that's verbatim from the 2020 draft guide. And what happened? Mm-hmm. The latter. He is looking. He did, didn't find a job. So Doug Peterson uh, out because it didn't work. So, again, and, and I'm also very proud of coaching breakdowns because of Nobody does, does it? They're starting to. We see some people out there doing it now, and people ask me, oh, does that piss you off? It doesn't. I think it's it's the right way to play fantasy football. And a younger me probably would have been pissed. I probably would have been mad that people copy. I understand they get copied now, but that's part of the, right? When you're successful at anything, you get copied. Um, I did it, you know, I've had success in other industries. I've talked about my tech company back in the day. It's small time. I was a computer repairman. I mean, for years, you know, I worked for the guy while working for the government and I had a DOD department of defense clearance, as a matter of fact, back in early two thousands and after nine 11 and everything. So, you know, uh, your, your boy ain't just uh, some yelling, screaming fantasy analyst. I had a decent career, but when I built my tech company, I did it on the side as my side hustle ended up selling it to GE back in 2003. When I did that, it was wild. Cause like guys I graduated college with went and started the exact same company, exact same thing that I was doing. Exact same thing. I don't know whether I draw it in or other people do it, but people look at what I do and think, Oh, I could just do that better than that fucking guy. And maybe they do, maybe they can, but I don't, I've learned I was pissed back then. I stopped talking to a couple of my college buddies because of it. I haven't talked to them since. And that pissed me off, but uh, I've learned now. I don't, doesn't bother me as much certain people, you know, in the fantasy industry, I think are hacks that do just copy everybody. And they really don't bring, I just don't like customers getting screwed over. If you're going to copy my work, then you need to copy the depth that I go. 
right? That's fine. If you're willing to do that, then you're likely putting out a very good product. If you're putting out a great product, I, that's, that's a different conversation. I'm up for that challenge. I want that challenge. I love that challenge. It's that the majority or not majority, a lot of the industry has, they've tried over the last 10 years to find ways to cut back on the information they provide and the analysis they provide. They want to just send you projections and say, Hey, you fucking do it. Hey, this guy's 0.01 points more than this guy. So that's who you draft. Go fuck yourself. That's what they want to do. And that's what bothers me when people suffer. It bothers me, right? It just does. And Oh, it, it just infuriates me. So no, I'm not worried about that. I'll, I'll dive in. I'll give you a quick once over. We'll do a discussion later in July here about why coaching matters and some of the deeper stuff, but I will go over some of the tidbits that I, I've learned that I haven't done on Sirius XM. And for those of you who listen to the Sirius XM show and this podcast, for one, I love you. And I would like to kiss you on the mouth with my, with my tongue. I'll lick the microphone just so I'm licking your face. Put your put the speaker right by the right by your face and let me just lick it. That's how much I like you. Um, the um, but I want to give you guys stuff on the pod that I don't do on serious and it's tough. I find myself listening back like ah oh, shit I did that already uh, on Sirius XM. I, I don't want to repeat myself and I don't want to give the same information away. It's hard because I'm a guy who just dumps the bucket. And that's, you know, I give you everything I got every single time and whatever's on my mind or whatever I think is pertinent and actionable at the time is what I end up doing. I'll repeat it on the Wednesday show and the Wednesday night podcast. And I don't want, I want really trying hard to do it. Let me, uh, before I get into coaching breakdowns, I do want to get into something. So I, I hit on something there with the, the customers and the little guy and the people that get screwed over. I think that on a personal level, you guys have heard me talk about my family, and my upbringing, parents, mother, father, you, you've heard those podcasts and friends. And, you know, I've talked about battles with health and depression and all of that kind of stuff uh, on this podcast. I've talked about them, about cancer and, and things like that. So, this week, uh, yesterday, uh, from when I'm Tuesday of this past week was the 10 year anniversary of my mom, the death of my mom. My mom passed away um, July of 2011. And, you know, I think that I've told, told the story about my mother and my father for that, you know, growing up on the South Side and being absolutely rock star poor, like, like, distinctly poor like not, not like a little uh, kind of no like no job for years and blankets hanging up to keep the portable heater from escaping the room uh, like that kind of poor um my mom and dad didn't have many opportunities and um i have always looked at them they weren't knowledgeable neither one college educated um didn't know better not bad people great people just didn't know better, right? And easily fooled, easily tricked, easily beaten by people. And, you know, and it's, it's amazing. My dad got in trouble at work in a grocery store that he managed. Uh, one time a guy was stealing and accused him of stealing like some milk. And 
my dad's like, yeah, I bought this milk. I had the receipt for this milk, but this other dude was taking like pallets of milk and like, I don't know, fucking selling out of the back of his car. I don't know what he's doing. Well, my dad got fired for it. I was out of a job for like a year because of this. And it was the, my dad was a alcoholic. He was rough and abusive in, in certain instances and stuff like that, but he was no thief. That's one thing for damn sure that uh, he wasn't. And anyway, I get, I have a chip on my shoulder about it. That's what I want to tell you. And it bothers me. It comes from my parents because I look at them and as my mom got sick and she was battling um, osteoporosis, um, the thinning of the bones and the hunching over, my mom went from, she was five foot seven around, you know, when I was born and when I was growing up and she eventually was under four or under five foot tall, like four ten, very, very small. She literally hunched over and, uh, her she passed away one of the most terrible ways you can with her rib cage and her bones crushing her lungs i mean it's was one of the saddest things to watch and she just never got it and she never got she never got the help she needed she was tricked and fooled you know for everything all the time and i see a lot of that happening in our society i see it all the time people that aren't informed and people that don't know any better are sold a bill of goods that are just wrong and uh, usually one person or a corporation or a business or somebody is benefiting directly off of their incompetence or lack of knowledge we'll say okay and and it's that fuels me it it fires me up. It makes me want to fight. It makes me want to, you know, I get pissed about it. So it's something that's very serious with me and likely always will be. And I think it goes into um, this week. I went to the NBA finals game one, Phoenix suns, go suns rail in the Valley, baby. Um, they won. So one, nothing as I'm recording this, obviously by the time you're listening to it, the game two has already been played, maybe even game three. So don't tell me the scores, future people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I love every minute of it. And I, I spent a lot of money to get tickets to game one of the series and took my son, uh, just turned 11 years old and took him to the game, had you know, really good seats, uh, baseline seats, but still really close up and fantastic and had just the time of our lives, just a royal experience all the way around. And the thing I, for a moment, there was that period of my wife, oh my God, how much did you spend? Why did you spend? We could buy all this stuff with that money and and that stuff. And I I get it, but I'll also tell everybody that you'll never get the experience back. I did this when I was, you know, was it 16 years now? Uh, 16 years ago, so was I, I was in my, was I in my fucking twenties? Oh my God, how, how unbelievable. Yeah, I was 28 years old. 2005 when the Chicago White Sox won the World Series. And I was driving to the first playoff game against the Red Sox. We bought playoff tickets. I I bought the um, uh, first two playoff games against Red Sox tickets. And me and my buddy Rich were driving to the game. And I'm like, I'm going to every game, every playoff game. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah. I felt it. And I don't know what it was about that season. The baseball magic 
it was unlike anything else. The White Sox had been really good in 1983 when I was young, 1993, still young, 1994. They were very good all through the 90s, the year 2000, they won the division. They had some good teams, but it wasn't like in 05. 05, they were setting records and pitching staff was dynamic. And it, it was just a magical team. And I felt it. And I said, I'm going to go. And when they beat the hell out of the Red Sox that first game in the division series, I'm like, man, there's something happening here. And I knew it. And I got tickets to every single home playoff game. I took my brother, took my friends. I took my nephews, all the White Sox fans I knew. My mom was too ill to go at the time. But I got to go and share those experiences. And I tell you, Fourth of July weekend just happened and me and my brother were in my backyard uh, in the pool hanging out. And what we were talking about, what did we talk about? We talked about 16 years ago going to the White Sox game. How amazing that experience was. He got, true story, we got on the local NBC News because we were there like three hours in advance and playing, uh, we're playing uh, Cornhole, the bags game and, and all that. And we were in the parking lot drinking and, and eating and cooking food and doing all that. And my brother was interviewed on that in NBC News there, and his boss saw it. And he had taken like a personal day or something. His boss got like all pissed off. My brother's a butcher. And uh, for Chicago people, he was a butcher at Jewel Osco, one of the biggest grocery store chain there was there. And relationship with him, his boss never recovered. The brother ended up moving out to Myrtle Beach, starting his own grocery store and doing all that. But uh never recovered because the guy was an asshole, but nevertheless, the, I mean, that's what we're talking about 15 years later, 16 years later. We'll never forget those memories going to the world series games, watching Canerco rip the grand slam and Pesednik's game winning Homer. It was amazing. Like just unbelievable. And I've told the story about them winning the world series and they won it while in Houston and I'm glad that they did because I got to share that experience with my mom at home, who was the biggest White Sox fan ever. And uh, I talked about the 50, 59 team that was her favorite and all that. So what I'm saying is I, I went to the NBA Finals game because I knew the Phoenix Suns aren't getting back to the fucking NBA Finals. Like, it's not happening. Not happening. It's uh, The NBA is as rigged as any sports league ever. And I don't think it's going to change anytime in the near future. It's unfortunate that you can break through the Golden State Warriors showed that they can, you know, the team can come sort of out of nowhere, but also uh, uh, break through, you know? And so it's possible to have some new blood in there, but it's very unlikely. Usually a star comes up and now they're all going to join forces, right? Every year they're going to join forces and be, be super teams. That's all it is. And it's all the same teams. But if you didn't know this about the NBA since 1984, right? It's been one of, I think eight teams, if I'm not mistaken, the Celtics, uh, Celtics, Lakers, we know the Bulls won. Pistons win. Um, Pistons, Bulls, Rockets won two in a row. It's a surprising, uh, right? And then it was the Spurs, the Heat. Who's the new team? The Heat and 
that's probably it. The Cavaliers and Warriors. Uh, the Cavaliers only because that LeBron James did that. Oh, I forgot about Dallas, the Mavs. Mavs won, but again, Raptors won now as well recently. So there's some newer teams in the mix, but for a period of 25 years, it was Celtics, Lakers, Bulls, Pistons, Rockets, Spurs. Like it was six teams that won every championship in there. And the Heats, Cavs, Warriors, Mavs are all around that. No, there are very few new teams. It's always going to be these new teams. Or it's always going to be the super teams. What's happened this year is a lot of crazy circumstances, a lot, you know, injuries to, to star players and stuff. But again, don't discredit the championship because of losses to star players. Star players are also fucking pussies. So don't act like, oh my golly, Anthony Davis got hurt. It's an asterisk. The fuck out. Anthony Davis can't stay healthy. And the, and CP3 was out for several games. The, the Suns lost people. Giannis, the, the Bucks, if they end up winning it all, the Bucks, I mean, Giannis missing games, they closed out the, the Hawks. Yeah, you know, Hawks had nice trade. Everybody's had injuries. Everybody always has injuries. Don't don't buy that bullshit. Man, Jordan flu game. Now he was a crazy maniac and played through it. Scotty Pippen had back problems. He had migraine headaches. He had eye problems in some of their finals appearances. People get hurt all the time in basketball and other sports. But what I'm saying is we'll never, just like I knew in 2005, the Suns are never going back to the NBA finals. Not in my lifetime. It's not happening. And I'm out here in Phoenix. My son's grown up a, a Suns fan because you know, he was five when we moved. So he's, he has no affiliations to Chicago teams, unfortunately, but you know, it's his journey. He doesn't, that's why I always tell you guys it. I hope you understand. I don't, blame you for having your favorite teams and I want your favorite teams to have success. You know, that's everything. That's wonderful, but it's also not mine. <laughs> and I, I want the best for you guys. I, I think every fan base should enjoy something, some, a magical player, a magical season, a you know three year season, a three year like run or five year run or, you know, every franchise deserves something, every loyal fan base, you know, and that's what I believe. And there's a lot of Suns fans out in the desert, a lot more than probably, I mean, the, the team's been around a long time, right? They remember the 92 uh, finals run. They've had some, you know, those Steve Nash teams were absolutely fantastic as well. So I love what I'm seeing here. I love that the Phoenix Suns are, you know, getting after it and possibly closing out a title, which would be amazing. So that's why you, you play it and I'll absorb every last drop and I'll check it off my bucket list. Never, never thought I'd go to NBA finals. I should have went when I was a teenager in, in Chicago, but you don't realize it those days when you're young, you think this shit lasts forever and like, Oh yeah, it'll come back around. And for certain organizations, the Lakers, the Yankees, it, it kind of does. The Patriots have kind of been that way, gone to a Super Bowl in every decade since the 70s, right? Since the 80s, I should say. So like some franchises get that. But I would be, if I'm a Laker, Yankee fan, especially Yankee, guys hype up things that happened 50, 60 years ago quite a bit. 
your biggest claim to fame is like the nineties dynasty lately. Right. <laughs> so it's amazing. Time goes on, other teams pop up and that's what I'm saying. So enjoy it. It's what I'm trying to stress to everybody. Those moments don't sell them short. Don't think oh, I'll go next year or I'll watch next game or I'll see if you're a sports fan. And, and by the way, this is with beyond sports, even beyond sports. It's anything. You know, it's your marriage, your friendships, your children. Trust me on the children aspect. I got one daughter in college, one daughter about to go to college. Son's getting older. It's going to be bigger than me pretty soon. It goes fast. It goes super fast. So make sure you make those memories. Do what you have to do. Do what you're capable of doing, right? But don't make excuses not to do things and to not be a part of something that you desperately would like to be a part of, you know, don't let your pride or don't let, I think, I think it's social media influence. I think that drags so many people down. I really, I see that in my industry at least. And even amongst my friends and family, everybody wants to look good. I saw somebody, the, I had real nice seats, you know, right up close on the baseline um, to, to that finals game. And the, teenage girl that sat next to my son never looked up from her phone the entire time i'm she never she was taking pictures of herself and taking pictures around of the game and things she never looked up from her phone she never you're not in the moment i took a bunch of pictures don't get me wrong i was i was definitely like a teenage girl in that regard but man i watched that game and i was high-fiving people around me uh, the, the lady in front of me, her face painted, wouldn't sit the fuck down, drove me crazy, <laughs> drove me absolutely nuts. But, you know, it, it was a blast, and I had a blast. And that's what it's all about. You know, don't go to an event or don't not go to an event and then say, I wish I would have, or I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have looked up from my phone and, and been a part of it because uh, life will go by very, very fast, and you get this one opportunity. You get one shot at it. And lastly, before I get into fantasy football and I update you on my Scott Fishbowl team and some things, I mentioned life goes fast and you get one chance at it, which I fully, uh, uh, fully believe uh, in that people do this with other aspects and elements of their life too. And I see it, I see it with cryptocurrency, I guess is really like, if you're, if you're, 15 through 25 and you're into crypto totally get it totally understood absolutely 25 to 35 okay all right you're young at heart and maybe you're a healthy guy you're oh you're gonna work forever okay if you're 40 plus shut the fuck up shut up dude you're 40 plus you better be worried about your retirement I'm in the prime of life. I'm the bullshit. Bullshit. Stop pretending to be young. You're not young. You're not young. Ooh, what's next? Hey, hey, you're like Steve Buscemi. Hello, fellow kids. What music are we listening to on the app today? What the fuck? Stop pretending. Stop it. Not young, you, you, cryptocurrency when you're 45 years old, you should be retiring. You need real money right now. Well, that is my retirement. No, it's not. No, it's not. 
cryptocurrency isn't going to be massive in five to 10 years. I know you guys think so. I know you do. It is something that we, everybody had barely even touched the surface. I know that's why it's so exciting, but it's again, what about the person in the 1950s? Fuck that. In the 1970s, cell phones were a big deal. Remember cell, cell phone, like being able to call somebody. I know because I believe the first cell phone call was made in Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. But um, if not the first, one of the first, they always told us growing up, well, the first, uh, first uh, car phone, they used to call them car phones. But guess what? You had the first cell phone. You had the first cell phone. Who gave a shit? What did it matter? Who did you call? What did you use it for? You were by yourself. Who cares? Who cares? If you if you lived to be in 2020, wonderful. But it's 50 years later you made it. All right, 50 years. And if, if you let's say you got in right in the wave, 35 years you wasted on that. And again, maybe you did something, but if you were 40 years old, thinking and you're touting that cell phones are the biggest thing are going to be the best the biggest thing ever. Wonderful in 1970. Okay, you're 40 years old, 1970. Wonderful. And cell phone. And you saw this is it. This is where it is. It's great. But God, by the time cell phones became a real, let's say, even got to the mainstream, not at their peak or even close, was what, 2005? 35 years later, you're 75 years old. I mean, and again, you bought stock in companies that aren't even around anymore. You know, Motorola, Nokia. I mean, that's if you're lucky you got them. Ericsson was a thing back, you know, 90s. Like, it's not a thing anymore. You didn't, not everybody made money. You could have the right idea, the absolute perfect. You knew explicitly that one day that it's like, I know flying cars will happen eventually, but what? What good is it to invest in flying cars? It's not in my lifetime. You know what I mean? What, again, let's say the perfect scenario. Perfect. Let's say you did it all right. You invested in Motorola and then eventually you, know, you reinvested in Apple and the iPhone right as it hit. But you were 75. You, you made millions of dollars. Okay. That's great. It really is. But what did what are you doing? You made ten million dollars off it in as at age seventy five. Let's say you live to an average age. You live six seven more years with it. What you missed thirty five other years. You missed thirty five years of your life. It was worth it. I pass on my kids. Okay, but you know what? Pass on your legacy. Pass on the time spent with your kids. Pass on some knowledge to your kids. Pass on memories to your kids. And guess what? If you would have worked. If you would have worked hard over those 35 years, you would have plenty to give to your kids. Savings account, real estate, uh, savings, bonds, and equity in companies and your IRA and you know pension or something. You, you would have had plenty, not 10 million, but really, is it really worth it? To me, no, it's not. Don't sacrifice that. Don't be the 45, 50-year-old guy talking about crypto and Bitcoin. Oh, fuck you. Dumb, it's a waste of your time. It really is. If you're, if you're 19 years old, wonderful. 
be at the forefront. Wonderful. Cause then, you know, those, the, the 20 year old right now in, in that year will be 55. Perfect time. $10 million to retire. You get 25, 30 years with it. Perfect. Absolutely. Perfect. Year. You get three years with it. Not worth it. Three years of enjoying your infinite riches. Not worth it. Find something else. Find a better timeline. It's, and again, you're not wrong for knowing something's going to be popular and knowing that blockchain technology is here. You're not wrong for that. You're just too far ahead. It doesn't behoove you to be too far ahead. It really doesn't. I don't know how somebody would see the opposite of that. I really don't. I know there's a lot of you that do. God bless you. But I think you're misappropriating your time and resources. Anyway, let's get into some fantasy football talk here, everybody. Uh, I want to talk about my Scott Fishbowl 11 draft. If you're in the Scott Fishbowl draft, I strongly recommend you donate into fantasycares.net, whether it's buying T-shirts or uh, uh, making straight-up donations or however else you can help. Get over there and do it. Scott Fish is great human being, put together this draft, and he did it to be a fun event. And it's, you know, it's great. But he, it's a charitable event, and it's meant to do good. And hopefully people are adhering to that and taking to that. Hopefully that's what they're doing. Because I notice a lot in my industry with people that, tout the draft and tout results and everything else and it, it, more than they tout the event and the, the the charity and i think this is not a time to be selfish this is an event meant for fun you always like to win i'm competitive as hell i want to win this thing i want to win my league the overall i want of course but this is the one that's not you know, th this is the one that's unnecessary. You don't need to go all out. This is not about you. It's not about me. Uh, and, but here's my draft. <laughs> but you know, here is my draft so far. Uh, we've threw five rounds at this point. I got the second pick. Now, this draft has a lot of nuances to it. It is There are 12-team leagues. They're full-point PPR, but it's also half-point per reception. I'm sorry, half point per first down for running backs, receivers, all that. It is also uh, efficiency for quarterback league, meaning you get a, what do you get? Point, whatever it is, 0.25 for um, uh, passing completions. And then you get, but you get a minus point for every incompletion. So, you know, these are important things to know. All right. You get, one point for every 25 yards passing. All right. You get uh, a, a minus one point for incompletion, but you get a half point, half point for completion, but minus one for incompletion. So really you gotta be careful with that one, man. That's a lot of negative points. Minus one for a sack taken by a quarterback F minus four points for interceptions minus two for interception return for a touchdown. I don't think people in this league paid attention to the rules because quarterbacks, it's a two quarter, it's a super flex league, which means you can start one quarterback and the other one quarterback or any other position, but that quarterback scoring has way too many negatives for it to be a massively advantageous early round pick. Okay. 
the great quarterbacks are worth uh, a, a high price, but they're not worth more than the best running backs or receivers. That's just fact. And quite honestly, they're not worth the best tight ends because the best tight ends get an all tight ends. It's a tight end premium league too, where you get an extra, it's a point and a half, 1.5 points per reception. All right. And it is an extra half a point per first down for the tight end as well. That's just massive. For me, Travis Kelsey was number one on the board. Travis Kelsey was had the second most receptions for first down in 2020. And he's been in the top five each of the last three years. That is huge. So we're getting a point for that. We're getting a point for the reception. These are massive numbers that he's putting up. So I had the second pick and I got Travis Kelsey second because somebody took Mahomes. Folks, the, the, the two quarterback, I, I want to tell her, I'm going to start a fantasy league and I'm going to tell everybody, I, I want to remind everybody that, you know, it's a two running back league too, two wide receiver league too. Anytime you say there's two of something, people put a massive over premium on it. They flock to it. Like, Oh my God, I'm going to run out. You're not running out. You're not going to run out of quarterbacks. It's not going to happen. And the fact why you take them early is even more ridiculous. Josh Allen wasn't a high priority. It was uh, QB eight and ADP last year. Aaron Rodgers was QB 13 last year. We were on him. I was on him on Aaron Rodgers. Had him a lot of leagues last year, right? Kyler Murray's QB five last year. Um, Russell Wilson was QB six. Now he finished right about there as well. Tannehill was outside the top 15. Justin Herbert was outside the top 40. <laughs> Tom Brady is outside the top 12. These are all every single one of the guys I'm named. Kirk Cousins was outside the top 20. All right. Matt Ryan was outside the top 18. Every one of those players, one, uh, Ryan, Cousins, Herbert, Brady, Tannehill, five guys that weren't drafted as a QB one, five of the top 12 guys from last year. And this happens every year. So this idea that you're going to pay a premium and get the premium is wrong. It's wrong. Mahomes is going to be great. Kyler, probably Russell Wilson, definitely, but nobody's drafting Russell Wilson. He's going late. It's just foolish. And it's almost embarrassingly foolish for people to put such a significant premium on quarterbacks just because they claim it's a two quarterback league. I'm going to, I'll go to war with Carson Wentz and Sam Darnold or um, in my case. So I'll go through my draft and just how I do it. I never draft the quarterbacks early. I'll never put the premium. Ever other people do. Obviously we don't want to get stuck. There is a line. And this is why over at fantasyguru.com, I've got the two quarterback slash super flex chart for everybody. So you know what you're getting. Don't overdraft the quarterback position. If you take Mahomes, like the guy in my Scott Fishbowl League did, you do not go back with another quarterback, which of course he did. You don't do that. You just don't. You don't overdraft the position. Because now you've taken such a bath on other spots. It's just redonkulous. You know, it, it just lowers your two running backs, three wide receivers, and all your flex options. Fine players, yeah. I mean, you're basically, this guy thinks 
he's going to get running backs that back up running backs and just wait for them to get hurt. Okay. I mean, that that's, that's not a strategy. Well, it is a strategy, but it's not a good strategy. It's, it's desperation. That's what you do. If my dog were to draft a fantasy team, I tell him, man, I just draft all these guys and then get all the backup quarterback backup running backs and hope somebody gets hurt. And if so, that's your only path. Cause otherwise you have no chance to win the league. No fucking chance. Right. Vader, my dog. That's what I would say to him. And that's how some people draft their, these leagues. God bless them for doing it. I suppose makes it easier for the rest of us, but um, I end up with Kelsey first and we come back. It's also third round reversal, which I desperately, desperately do not like. And when I had second pick really bothered me, but again, who cares? It's for fun. Um, but having that late third round pick when you have the two overall makes no sense. Uh, but uh, we go to it and I ended up back in the second round because all the quarterbacks, 10 quarterbacks went off the board in the first uh, 22 picks, 10 of the first 22 picks were quarterbacks. Like, are you fucking kidding me? What's wrong with you guys? Jeez. Louise. Terrible. Um, so I got Kelsey. I came back and then running backs did go. McCaffrey went, Cook went, Kamara, Barkley. Those are the only first rounders. Second rounders, by the way, I know for a fact that people in this league are listening to my shows, probably subscribers, and like and taking my guys because the rest of the, the Scott Fishbowl ADP does not match Austin Eckler going 13th overall, which he did. He was RB5 off the board. He's not RB5 in any league, in any format ever, but he was in this one. All right. Uh, Nick Chubb, same thing. Our, my producer, Sandra Nello, got Eckler and Chubb in rounds one and two. All right. And, but no, we got a premium on them in, in these leagues. Nick Chubb, middle of the second round. Chubb was off the board, Taylor off the board, Henry off the board, Aaron Jones off the board. So at that point, in, in, for me, at the 11th pick of the second round, 23 overall, it just wasn't I, – I wasn't into the running back selections right there. And I knew I had a long time to come back around. I didn't like the quarterbacks. It was Tannehill, Brady, Stafford, fine. Hurts, fine. You know, those were the only guys available. And I'm so I said, screw, I took my number one at the position. It was an easy pick for me because I took my number one wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, anybody knows who is the most receiving receiving first downs last year in the league? I mentioned Kelsey was second. Hopkins was first. So, again, premium for that, half a point. Okay. I think Hopkins is Hopkins at 1,400 yards, 100 receptions. Like, this guy is a baller. I'm one of the – most heavy pass volume offenses there is. So he's my number one receiver, the stablest guy. To get him at 23 was a crime, absolute crime. And then it comes all the way back around, and some of the running backs I like, Mixon and Akers and Najee Harris and Antonio Gibson all off the board. Um, same with you know Brady and Tannehill went off the board. Stafford went off the board. At that point, there were 13 quarterbacks drafted. My quarterback rankings, I've got Jalen Hurts eighth. So I got him at QB 14, and I took him at that spot to, to just secure it in. Definitely not 
what I would choose or I, that I would really want in a one quarterback league, obviously I wouldn't do it that early, but we do have, it, it's a lot of upside with Hertz. They've got some weapons now, Devonte Smith, Jalen Rieger, Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders, guys that if the ball's in their hand could do a lot with it. He obviously can flash the rushing ability. He was the fourth highest scoring quarterback over the last four weeks of 2020. So there's a lot of upside there. And I think that to be my number one, I'm perfectly all right with that one. All right. So then it came right back around. I still don't have a running back, mind you. Still don't have a running back, but um, I took Hertz over a quarterback. Even or I took a quarterback, yeah, over a running back there. Um, despite despite the fact that I knew the guy on the edge had already taken his two quarterbacks. So it was a little bit of a risky proposition for me, but I happened to do my research and knew this was a zero running back guy. That's why he did this. So he did. He went with receivers. So I was able to get J.K. Dobbins as the 16th running back off the board. And, you know, for me, J.K. Dobbins is, a, uh, uh, I think I have him running back 13 on the season. So a little bit, you know, a little bit ahead. Uh, and the, my first three picks, what I'm happy about is obviously I got the best player should he stay healthy in Travis Kelsey in this format, non-quarterback. I got the best guy. I know that. I got the best receiver, most stable receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. I got a lot of volume there. The best hands in the game has touched on regression, positive touch on regression coming, gets the extra points, both him and Kelsey. So those two picks. Then I got, I got a young quarterback entering year two when all quarterbacks, we talk a lot about Justin Herbert taking this, the next step you know, rising up to the challenge. We, we talk a lot about that, but Jalen Hurts is in the same exact boat. And he, if he takes another step up, if he develops passing wise, he can go to the moon as well. He could be this year's version of, uh, I don't want to say Lamar Jackson, but Deshaun Watson. It's got a Deshaun Watson-like swagger and skill set where he's really great running. He's a pretty fierce competitor likes to take aggressive throws down the field. Doesn't play for accuracy and things like that. Not afraid to miss a throw as long as he's getting down. And he's got Rieger and, and Devonte Smith to help him connect in those big plays with the fallback of Goddard, helping him pick up the chains, the rushing ability. So again, that's great. That my first running back is the number one. If you look at my running back grid at fantasyguru.com. The number one running system in the National Football League, without any doubt about it, is the Baltimore Ravens. Greg Roman and what they do there is absolutely fantastic. They've really had some movement at their offensive line, which I've been monitoring this entire offseason. I didn't like the trade of Orlando Brown, um, their right tackle. Didn't like that, but then they signed uh, Alejandro Villanueva away from the Steelers. They bring in Kevin Zeitler a really powerful run blocker to play right guard. That's an upgrade there. They draft Ben Cleveland to play in the interior there as well. So they made a lot, some didn't like the losing Brown to trade to Kansas city, but I feel like they really helped that, uh, that right side specifically in the running game specifically. And JK Dobbs with no marking or JK Dobbs is the guy now, even though Gus Edwards re-upped and, and everything else and Gus will be a part of it. Dobbins is 
the man in Baltimore. So for to get him as my number one, I'm perfectly confident with that as well. And then it came back uh, when it came back around with Mike Davis of the Falcons. And we have a lot, a big write up over at fantasy guru about Mike Davis talked about him by the numbers. Todd Gurley graded out from a fantasy football standpoint, pretty damn well in many regards last year, he wasn't efficient. He just got a ton of work. There's nobody to compete with Mike Davis. He got the contract. They take the Julio Jones numbers away, passing, you know, new offense, checking down the Dave Rangone, the offense coordinator of the Falcons has done in his past. And Mike Davis is in a very lucrative spot. And to get him at RB two was something I'm very happy about. So plugged in that spot, still got to get, don't have to worry about another tight end. Don't I do have to worry about another quarterback at some point. There aren't many great ones out there. I, I think that's the key. And, and it, whether you're in a tight end premium, super flex league, or whatever rules they have for you, don't go too far away from what you know. You know running backs are the backbone of a fantasy team. You know wide receivers are highly, highly, highly valuable. You know this information. Don't get caught up in craziness. Don't get caught up in, in the format change. If you get the best of the position, to draft Travis Kelsey is worth it. To draft Darren Waller is worth it. George Kittle is risky as hell, but it's worth it if he's played 16 games. A lot of speculation, a lot of concern that he wouldn't. After that, any tight end premium draft that you do is nonsense. There's no more premium on a, a, a tight end. You guys are getting it mixed up. You're mixing your signals. Those three guys are studs. Everybody else is a big pile of mashed potatoes. Big pile of it. I talked about in serious show that between tight end seven and tight end 17 in fantasy football last year, there was, it's not even a point per game difference between, I mean, we're talking less than that. It's like, it is point whole. Yeah. It's point just over, we'll call it half a point. It's closer to half a point than 0.6, half a point per game. One half of one point is the difference. All right. So unless you believe that your Mike Kosecki, Noah Fant, uh, Henry, Janu Smith, um, whoever you, you may think, uh, Goddard, who I do like, Irv Smith, unless you believe, you have to believe it, that they can get Darren Waller-type numbers, that they're going to get 140-plus targets, 90-plus receptions, close, either 1,000 or more yards, and seven plus touchdowns, touchdowns, which by the way, the touchdowns don't matter. You could think they can get 10 touchdowns like Robert Tunyon. It didn't make a fucking hill of difference. And this format doesn't matter. You get 52 receptions. You got something like 12 first downs. He didn't get first down. There's no extra points for Tunyon. He didn't do anything different. He gets leapfrogged by some of these other guys. So unless you believe that to be true, there's no sense. Don't put a premium on them anymore. If you draft a Kelsey or Waller, don't go draft another one because I got no. No, so difference. If you come back around in rounds 10, 11, 12, and you, you get your Irv Smith or you get your uh, Tyler Higby, where they, you know, with Stafford could have some, oh, fine, 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 fine. 
But these are not – you don't put a premium. It's the premium. The top guys are getting better. That's it. That's it. And, by the way, quarterback's very similar. Very similar. Except there, there is not a quarterback in the league like Kelsey or Waller. Even Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, they don't give you the premium that these other guys, that the premium tight ends do. So be real careful with your drafts and don't get lured in and fooled by that. Very, very important. Um, so that's where I'm at. I am still waiting on Mr. Zero running back to go here. Um, players that I'm targeting in the Scott Fishbowl draft. At this stage, I got my two running backs. There really isn't great pickings at the running back spot. Miles Gaskin, Josh Jacobs, blah. Not, you know, I do like Mostert slash Trey Sermon, but I want to get both of them. I'm not just going to draft one of those guys. I need both of the 49er running backs. I think I could probably pull it off getting them the next round, right? I, I think I could pull that off. I'm not going to draft just to – I want the best player. I feel like there's a ton, an absolute shit ton of value at the wide receiver position right now. Um, my cover boy, C.D. Lamb, is still available right now. The uh, My, my uh, eighth highest – wide receiver Mike Evans is still available now I believe if I'm not mistaken my ninth Keenan Allen is still available right now if I'm not mistaken let me see now he's not he's not available damn I thought Keenan Allen was available um where did where did Keenan Allen go yeah he's not available in this draft oh yeah he went, he went early in the fourth well good good for those people so um Mike Evans still still being there is intriguing to me um julio jones is still available i don't think i'm gonna be a buyer there cd lamb is still available i highly consider cd lamb chris godwin so both buccaneers receivers are still there i do like mclaurin quite a bit not gonna put him over any of those other guys there and then you know a bunch of other receivers that are in great spots that i like but and then tight ends you know again am i gonna go at logan thomas or mike kosecki or tunyon or and it no no there's no, nothing bonus there at all by the way in the scott fishbowl draft i should mention everybody that kickers can be flex plays too and there's four flex spots on your rosters so you could fill it up you could draft a couple kickers and get steady points too instead of you know startable guys probably i'm guessing they're going to go real late in the draft. So you know, that's a whole different thing. It's why it's going to be unique on how people uh, use their rosters in this, but you want the stars and whether the stars are at running back or receiver, it doesn't really matter. You want those guys. Oh, by the way, the that next best quarterback, Baker Mayfield, Ben Roethlisberger, not, not going to get them here. Deshaun Watson available. If you were to play, it would be amazing, but you can't take that risk. No Suri Bob, Sam Darnold. I like a great deal. My boy, Justin Fields is definitely on my radar as well. So, you know, I kind of am starting to sweeten up on Taysom Hill a little bit. I am in a two, in a super flex format. It's going to run a lot. I had over 400 yards rushing last year. He is going to start for the saints. I'm done worrying about that. So he, I may pick him up as a third quarterback in this format, knowing that I got the starter for the saints too for those bye weeks I can get I can make sure I got the the a surefire starter 
So that's my Scott Fishbowl League draft. Uh, you hit me up with questions at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. Um, you know, what else do I have here? What else, where else am I going? I have the um, coaching breakdowns. A couple of things there as well I'll talk about. So the coaching breakdowns are launched over at fantasyguru.com. Some of the, I wanted to go through just a, just a quick overview of what I learned, some things that I learned that nobody else learned, that nobody else really recognizes. And, and I, I say that safely, and I don't mean that to be ugh, derogatory. It's just uh, I've worked for six months on this, right? This, this is my blood. This is what this is my sweat, tears, everything. I've done this work. I know nobody's done this work. I know I'm the only person in the world. In the world, they're NFL teams that probably don't have the research that I've done. And um, this isn't conjecture and internet chat room shit. This is, you know, cold hard facts all along the way. So um, I'm going to go through as many as I can. I know I don't want to keep you guys too long. All right. But uh, Cardinals, just so you know, no, there are no, uh, no offense coordinator once again. Kingsbury is going to be his own. Offense coordinator, this is very damaging to the offense. You need somebody, even if you're going to call the plays as a head coach, you need somebody to do the day-to-day organizational stuff. It's just, you can't conduct me. You can't oversee the defense. You can't oversee special teams and all this. Now, he has an assistant named Jeff Rogers, who's their special teams guy. But you're not, it's, it's, this is bad. It doesn't work out. It doesn't work out well. Kyle Shanahan did this last year uh, and it was miserable and they do this a lot. Certain coaches, Belichick in new England doesn't want to name a defense coordinator. He did the same thing. Belichick's been able now Belichick's special because he's got his two sons, Steve, the linebackers coach and the other son who's the safety coach. His name escapes me. Steve's the next head coach of the Patriots. I've talked about that many times. So um yeah, that's that will happen when Bill retires. So teams without coordinators, they are overworked and they get burned out very, very easily. Look at what happened to the Cardinals last year. Look at the Cardinals in the way that offense came out of the gate. When you have all summer to practice and plan for your first couple of games, it's wonderful. Then when injuries hit and everything hits you, you just don't have the time. All right. You just simply don't have a time. And what's worse is they have a run game coordinator, but they don't have a pass game coordinator. Everything is on Kingsbury. Not ideal. I I do not, 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 not like it. I just don't. Um, What else? Oh, Detroit. Detroit's interesting because there's a couple of teams that I've designated. Well, one and done offensive coordinators and Anthony Lynn, we know for sure. Anthony Lynn is a fantasy running back nightmare. Now he has a heavy volume running game. And I think that's going to be the game plan here in Detroit. They're going to run the ball as much as possible. Uh, Dan Campbell's philosophy to Staley's philosophy, Anthony Lynn's philosophy. Everybody's on the same page, but Anthony Lynn does not use one running back. He doesn't use two running backs. He uses all his running backs, all of them constantly. All right, that's a big deal, a real big deal. 
I don't think that he survives. They're going to take DeAndre Swift off the field for who exactly? Like for Jamal Williams? I mean, come on. They signed Jamal Williams for a decent deal, but Jamar Jefferson, they're drafted in the seventh round. Why are you drafting him? Why are you kicking the tires of Todd Gurley that they've been doing? This is the same coordinator that brought Kalen Balage off the scrap heap last year and used him ahead of their third round draft pick in Josh Kelly. Like it's fucking ludicrous. Be careful of that. Also in Detroit, um, do you want to mention Dom Capers is there? Dom Capers is a senior defensive assistant. That's something we're starting to see. And I caught this, uh, I, I caught on to it last year, but I didn't, I felt in last year's write-ups, I didn't really hit the importance of some of these guys. And what really, it all came to fruition like three years ago when Gary Kubiak suddenly went to Minnesota and you know, Stefanski was there as the offense coordinator. And I said, wait a minute. There's no way Gary Kubiak just coveted as an assistant. No, he's got to have influence. So we did some other digging, realized, oh, they brought in some of their, uh, um, some of his guys like Rick Dennison. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, we're, we're going all the way in this running game. We're going to all the way because that zone blocking system is as good as it gets. And we had Dalvin cook and I think it was a second or third round pick, uh, 2019. And then we went right back on 2020 and good things have happened for us. So that was found based on looking at the entirety of the coaching staff and who's involved. So Dom capers, it's interesting because very inexperienced defensive coordinator and Aaron Glenn, former defensive back, but you got Todd wash, a very experienced defensive lineman, and then Dom Capers, very aggressive. So Aaron Glenn scoping out the secondary, Todd Walsh on the defensive line, Dom Capers with the uh, uh, linebackers and really instituting an aggressive blitz-heavy approach. Detroit defense is something to look for. I don't think they're going to be very good this year, but they could be aggressive and create turnovers. Um, the Jaguars, I don't know. That's another situation. There's no way Daryl Bevel makes it to 2022 as the offense coordinator. I, there is such a strong difference between Urban Meyer and Darren Bevel. I don't know what they're doing. And the fact that Brian Schottenheimer is the passing game coordinator here too, and quarterback coach, like, ah, man, this is the West Coast of West Coast offense. This is run-heavy, West Coast, short, high-completion percentage offense. That's what this is. And you brought in Trevor Lawrence and with Urban Meyer. What the fuck is going on here? What, are you, what is happening? This doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't. I, you know, I... I Maybe in year one, this is what they do, but I cannot, I could not even fathom Urban Meyer being a head, first time NFL head coach and not instituting his spread offense, his version of air raid and pistol formations and all. I can't even imagine it. And likewise, I can't imagine Daryl Bevel being a part of that either. It just does not mix. So I worry about Trevor Lawrence, honestly. I really, obviously the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck, 
But when you great prospects happen a lot, they don't all ascend to national levels, great levels, right? I mean, Patrick Mahomes wasn't a great prospect. He was a well, he's a great prospect. He wasn't a legendary prospect. You know, it's, Watson wasn't either, despite national championships. Trevor Lawrence has it all, including national championships. So, oh boy, this one I don't like at all. I, I'm a little skeptical of that. And if anything gets a bonus, it's James Robinson and Travis Etienne. Seems like those running backs are going to be very busy in Jacksonville. But the defense is going to suck a bag of dicks. And I don't know what to do about that. Uh, Bob Sutton, by the way, is a defensive assistant in Jacksonville. He's super experienced. He was the defense coordinator in Kansas City before um, – well, before all the Super Bowls, when, when Spag, before Spagnuolo came, and uh, and they they went to back to back Super Bowls it was Bob Sutton, so another old school military guy, um, to be with Joe Cullen, um, in Jacksonville. It's just a strange staff overall in Jacksonville. The I talked about the Chargers. Did you guys like the last episode? Chase the Chargers. Hopefully you did. I, I've gotten really good feedback, so I'm feeling like you guys liked it. I love doing those episodes myself. I've talked about that coaching staff and what we learned. It's really good, really smart. They've got uh, of guys that analytical people that they plug in here as um, as uh, quality control people. Normal quality control are like former player that comes in. It's kind of a bullshit job, but they took this this coaching staff very seriously, uh, Dan Sharmish and, uh, 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 um, damn, uh, forgetting the guy on defense, but very, you know, they provide a service and, uh, this is good. Shane day passing game coordinator. Very, very good as well. So I, I like, I like this coaching staff in LA, both sides of the ball. Mind you, both sides of the ball. I think they're going to do very well. The Jets, there's something about the Jets. They, I am surprised at how many former 49ers staff members followed Robert Sala to New York. Like, it's incredible. Uh, um, Mike LaFleur is obviously the, um, the coordinator over there, the the offense coordinator for the New York Jets um, out there, but you know he followed him over. Um, uh, uh, Ulbrich was with Dan Quinn, the defense coordinator in um, in uh, uh, Atlanta, but he he went out there. But he got Tony Oden, who's the guy who really reshaped the entire safety, and he actually was the assistant behind the new Joe Woods, who is the Cleveland Browns defensive coordinator, but Odin's a very smart guy. They took him um, right from the um, uh, San Francisco 49ers as well. And Taylor Embry, the running back coach they took. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. All the, the guys they took from San Francisco, San Francisco and everybody they didn't take from San Francisco. They took from Atlanta former Dan Quinn staff. So a lot of Seattle uh, coaching tree in this Robert Sala staff. But um, I think it's, uh, it's oh, Scarnicia, another one, their offensive line coach, who's an assistant to them. I mean, shit, 
it's it, John Benton, another guy. They got the San Francisco 49ers. They took the 49ers line coach, probably the most important assistant on the 49ers staff, John Benton, is now the run game coordinator and offensive line coach in New York. I mean, Rob Sala got his staff. That is for sure. And when teams get their guys, when coaches, when they get their people, this is not picking from all the friends from here and there. And I once worked with here, which we normally see. This is all pulling, shaking from the same tree. That's how you get a team all in line. I, I look at the New York Jets. And I'm like, am I missing that they're going to be good this year? I'm not on the Jets this year. I'm not. But I'm starting to get sweet on them long-term. I'm starting to do a lot of great things. I'm not a believer in Zach Wilson, but could they build a great defense and have Zach Wilson be the Jimmy Garoppolo version of that? A couple of years, yeah. Becton, Vera Tucker, very, very good on that left side of the offensive line. Got tremendous wide receivers and Denzel Mim, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore. Right, a great triumvirate there. Not so much at running back, although I will say, folks, Tevin Coleman, you can't underestimate Tevin Coleman. I understand we all want Michael Carter to be a thing. I know you do. I do as well. Understood. But, you know, Tevin Coleman has been with all in Atlanta and he's been with in San Francisco, all these coaches, all the offensive coaches, they went out and got Tevin Coleman specifically for this offense. And he never stays healthy and he's past his prime at this stage of the game, but it's not going to just be the Michael Carter show. Everybody thinks it is, but Tevin Coleman is 28. It's not, not close enough to 30 that it's the sun is going to get melted by him about injuries. He's healthy right now. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of wear on tear on an 18 era, 28 year old body because he hasn't played. This is a guy that I, you don't draft him in the fifth round or sixth round, but if you were a team like my Scott fishbowl team, for instance, that, eh, Maybe you don't have the stud running backs. You got serviceable, solid guys. You got volume, but you don't have a stud. And you need some of that depth. Or fuck it. You know, every league need you always need running back depth. Who am I kidding? Every league needs running back depth. Draft Tevin Coleman. You get him in the 12th round. Nobody on earth is even going to think of him. But he's going to be starting running back in week one for the Jets. And he's going to play ahead of Michael Carter for at least the early stages of the season. So go get him. That's what that's all. That's all. Just do, go do that. Um, what else do we got here? I am running short on time. This one's gone way over. I know. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles, I think it's interesting. The tight end is still going to be a big part of that offense with Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen. Um, Steichen, who was with the Chargers last year, Sirianni was with the Colts. So a lot of ties in there. I mean, he's with the Colts, but he was under Frank Reich. Believe me, Philadelphia tried, would love to have gotten Frank Reich away from Indianapolis, but they got, they took his offense coordinator as well in Philadelphia. So uh, Steichen though, remember he was with Justin Herbert last year. There's a lot of development there. And another reason why I took Jalen Hurts and I have him in the top 10, as far as fantasy quarterbacks are concerned. So don't be completely fooled by that. Um, 
Seattle, I think they made some interesting Shane Waldron. Uh, Seattle is replicating the LA Rams and what Sean McVay did has done. Waldron is an extension of that. He is another guy that uh, from the LA tree that except he's the guy that everybody that nobody's talking about at this point, because we're all kind of getting sick and realizing, Oh yeah. Just because McVay had some degree of success doesn't mean everybody who ever associated with him will have that kind of success, but he was with um, the Rams the whole way through, right? He, he was in Washington with McVay. He was in LA with McVay. He didn't, the year of the Super Bowl, if you recall, uh, it was a 2019 that they didn't allow, uh, he was the passing game coordinator. He did not, they did not allow anybody to uh, talk to him. Any other coaching staff didn't allow him to interview. So this is a guy who maybe is close to Sean McVay as it gets. Seattle's going to replicate that. And he's also, it's interdivision like this. Seattle plays LA twice. Going to be interesting. Those games are going to have my attention. That is for sure. Again, check out the coaching breakdowns, fantasyguru.com, the only place in the world with them and all of this information and the charts and the volume reports and the data and the history and extensive assistant coaches and front office info, everything you need in one place, team by team over there, fancyguru.com. That's going to do it. Episode 73 is in the books, everyone. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing, listening, and making this part of your day, however you've chosen to do so. I do so appreciate it, folks. Uh, we'll be back next week. Another episode. Uh, I'll dive into more Scott Fishbowl thing. We're going to be heavy on the fantasy football uh, contingent as well. That doesn't mean I can't talk baseball. I will talk some fantasy baseball. I will talk some daily fantasy baseball still. Maybe even celebrating a Phoenix Suns championship. Oh, that could happen by next time we meet. So uh, hopefully you guys tune in to episode 74. That will do it for this one. Remember, you may disagree with some or all that you heard on today's program. It's perfectly all right. Why? You know why. So it was one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody. Deuces!